Oh, thank you, Father, that we're here together. Thank you for this family. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in the room. And we just ask that you'd speak to our hearts today. We want to come like little children, full of faith, that you're speaking all the time. (laughs) And we want to hear what you have to say. So I just pray that you take these words and sow them, Father. And anything that's not from you, make it fall to the ground and die. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. All the saints said, Amen. Hallelujah. So I've been asking the Lord, what are you saying to the body of Christ? What are you saying to the church? And I have felt for uh, a little bit of time that he's saying work. It's time to work. The harvest is ripe. It's time to put your hand to the plow. It's time to get going. There's souls to be saved. Um, There's things that the Lord wants to achieve and do. Um, And at the same time, he's had me reading John 15. And John 15 is all about abiding. And so I have this, he's saying, work, go for it, do it. And then there's this abiding. And I'm learning um, with the Lord that if we get these things out of balance, we're going to get into trouble. So if we're work, 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 and no abiding, we're going to burn out. We're going to crash and burn. We're not going to be good to anyone Not to ourselves, not to our own family, certainly not to anyone that needs the actual gospel. Um, And then on the other hand, if we're abide, 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 and we lock ourselves in a cave because we just need you, Jesus, and we never go, then we're never going to get anything done, are we? So we need to come to a a healthy place where the um, working and doing clashes with the abiding because when those two mesh together there'll be fruitfulness and there'll be more fruitfulness than you ever thought could you know that you would be capable of um, and it will be fruit that lasts praise God so because I haven't been allowed to read anything but John 15 for a little while that's what we're going to be reading today so I hope that's okay We're just going to dance our way through part of this and we'll see how we go for time. Um, Praise the Lord that you're all here on NRL Grand Final Sunday. Do we have any Eels supporters in the house? My family is like Eels crazy. My husband is picking my kids up early for the Grand Final today. Anyway, I'll stay. (laughs) Anyway, gold star for all of you for being here. Right, John 15. Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So Jesus is introducing the main players of this chapter and we have Jesus who is the true vine and why did he say that he was the true vine 
the disciples would have actually been familiar with Old Testament writings where the nation of Israel was described as a vine. But Jesus came and he said, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. And a few chapters before, he was saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so he's establishing himself as, it's all me, baby. (laughs) I am what you need. So he says, I'm the vine. And he's the source, the sustainer, and the one who holds it all together. And then he says, and my father is the vine dresser. Now we don't really, I was like, what's a vine dresser? We don't use that language really, do we? But a vine dresser in those times uh, would be the one who would cultivate, prune, and care for the grapevine. Back in that time, vineyards would be smaller and the vine dresser would know each vine individually and care for it in such a way to yield maximum fruitfulness. And isn't that just a beautiful picture of how the Father, what he does in our life, like he's caring for us individually He's cultivating, he's caring, he's pruning us to ensure maximum growth, health and fruitfulness. Someone needs to hear that today. The Father, the Father is not against you. He is for you. You know, things might be difficult in your life, but the Father, he's there tenderly pruning you. He's tenderly taking care of you, Right? Why? Because it's for his glory that, that you grow up and, and produce fruit. And then verse 2, it introduces someone else. It's you. It's me. It says, we are the branches. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does not bear the, sorry and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit all right so every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes it away some translations say he cuts it it's just like boom cut um, other translations say lifts it up he lifts up the branches Um, that don't bear fruit. The original Greek word is aero, which means to lift up, but it can also mean to cut off. It's one of those words. That's why some translations say cut off, take away. Other translations say lift up. I think it's all of the above. And I've experienced all of the above in my life, right? The important thing to remember is Um, The heart of the Father towards us is love. Even when there's cutting, even when there's taking things away, even when there's propping up of, of whatever it is that he needs to prop up. I, I bought a plant with me today. It doesn't, it's green. I'm not really a green thumb. Um, but 
it's like got these, I don't know what sort of plant this is, but it's got fruit on it. It's got these little things. And so the father, he just, he comes and he, he's like, he's looking for the fruit. And he's checking and then he's like, oh, this branch here, it's not bearing anything. It looks a bit dead. I'm just going to chop it off. And we might go, ow, that hurts. But do you know what? He's doing it very lovingly. Boom. You know, when, when these dead ones are off, the nutrients can go to the fruitfulness, to where the fruit is. And it's just so much better. Or he props us up. This poor little little tree here. I don't even know if I can make it be propped up. But the father, you know what? He's so kind and gentle with us. That's a bit better now, isn't it? And you know, sometimes we've just got weeds growing. He gets rid of the weeds too. <laughs> Praise God. Ephesians 2.10, we know this one too. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things planned for us long ago. What are you? A masterpiece. You know, we are the clay and he is the potter. And I just sense that the Lord is... For all of us, he's like, I'm going to cut things off and I'm going to shape you and I'm going to prop you up and I'm going I'm, I'm to do things with your life because you're my masterpiece and it's my great delight to do these things so that you can bear fruit, so that you can change the world. There's things in, in the heart of God for you to do that you can't do when you've got all that dead stuff hanging around. Verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. The, the word there is talking about this word, the logos, the written word of God. And Jesus is saying, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Yes, the blood of Jesus, it washes us. It washes us clean from sin. And, but we live in the world. We live in the world. And sometimes we can get funky attitudes and funky ways of thinking because we live in the world. But we're called to not be of the world, yeah? And so that's why the Lord's given us this word. 2 Timothy 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. What is righteousness? 
We, see, we hear this word all the time in this community. What is righteousness? It's who we are now that we're in Christ. It's who we are. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He became sin who knew no sin, that you, the me, we might become the righteousness of God. It means that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. It means that we're made right with God. And our sin is washed away as far as the east is from the west. It means that he's given us a brand new heart, a heart to know him. It means that there's no sin in the way. So we can come boldly into the throne room of God. We can boldly access intimacy because when we're not hindered by a sinful nature. It's really important. Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might, he might sanctify her, that means set her apart, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to him in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. What's the Lord see for the church? He sees a church that is clean and spotless, without any blemish. What's it say? Let's get her right, Naomi. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. You know, we might look at that and think, that's impossible. How can that ever happen? Get in the Word. It's because Christians aren't in the Word that we don't see that. Let this wash you every single day. There is no excuse. If you're not a reader, audio Bible... We have every translation available to us. We have it so good. Ah, the Lord wants his church clean. Let's get into the word, hey? Men, we haven't even started talking about like how to abide yet. But it's like this is one of the number one ways of how to abide in God, a practical a practical way. It's like, read the Bible. You will find him here. You will find who you are here. He will correct you. He will rebuke you. He will cut things off as you read this. He will straighten you out. It is good for you. The more you read it, the more you want to read it, right? Let's be a church that reads the word of God. Because I want our church to be holy and blameless and without spot or wrinkle. That includes all of you. Let's be Bible nerds. Let's be Bible nerds. Come on. No excuse. And, and you know what? If you're not understanding, I, I get what it's like to be in the Word and it's like, I don't understand what it says. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a really good teacher. And he's in you. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you, in you. And all you have to do is say, God, help me understand this. Please teach me. Because 
I think it's the next chapter, um, John writes, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper and he will lead you into all truth, right? So if we have the Holy Spirit, he can teach us. But also, there's a whole community of people who love being in the word. So ask someone. Don't be afraid to ask. We would love to be in the word with you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide is meno, which means to stay, continue, dwell, be present, remain, stand, tarry. Okay, to continue to be present, to be held and kept continually. Be held. Jesus is like, let me hold you. Let me keep you continually. Um, To remain as one, to wait for one. The Passion Translation says says it like this. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. Isn't that good? You must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. Jesus is like, I've done everything that I need to do. And if you're experiencing separation from me, it's not on my ends because I remain in you and I will never leave you or forsake you. So it's, it's you. It's you. If you feel far from God, like you do something about that. Draw near to God because he's right there. He's never gone anywhere. The rest of that verse in the Passion, for as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Isn't that beautiful? One of the most amazing things about the gospel is that we are in Christ. I think Sarah was hitting it a bit there during worship. We're in Christ. He's in us, right? Sometimes I don't think we fully comprehend. You know, Acts 17, 28, in him we what? We live and move and have our being. That means that when you're going about your day, he is with you. Sometimes we try and put God in the little quiet time box and we're like, I'll spend my 10 minutes or my half hour or my hour or my Heidi Baker style three or four hours with you and then I'll shut the door and I'll go about my life. But, but he's like, no, 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 no. In him, we move and breathe and have our being. Colossians 2, 9 to 10, it says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ. What do we have? Union with Christ. 
right? Who is the head over every ruler and authority. Christ is in you. Galatians 2.20. It's one of my favourites. I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And this life that I live, now I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are in Christ, he is in you. There is no separation. And sure, we can learn how to cultivate increasing levels of his presence in our life. We can grow in that. We can grow in stepping into greater levels of his manifest glory, right? But even when you don't feel anything, he hasn't gone anywhere. It's really important that we, that we take that. God is not a feeling. The word says he is in you, right? That's good news. So when the devil comes and he's like, no, 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 you can't feel God. God's not real. Whatever he says, you're like, man. In him, I move and breathe and have my being. Christ is in me. The blood of Jesus gave me access to his glorious presence. Everywhere I go, he goes. Everywhere, everywhere. Men, even while doing the most mundane things, he's with you in the shower. He's with you washing the dishes. He's with you driving in the car. He's with you all the time. I can't stress that enough. So, so, yes, it's so important that we spend time with him where everything else is blocked out. The secret place is so important. But so is learning to abide while you're doing other things. There's this communication that we need to have with the Lord, right? I try not to switch it off. Ask him questions. What are you doing here? Who can I bless here? God, show me. God, things feel funky in this atmosphere. What do you want me to do about it? Because you're here now, so I can, I can shift it, right? All right, verse 5. I am the vine, says Jesus. You are the branches, Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing of eternal value apart from him. Repeat after me. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. We have to let it sink in. Because I think we, we tend to run ahead and we're like, I'll just do this. And sometimes we forget to ask if he's even doing it. And then we wonder why we're tired and stressed and burnt out. It's probably because he's not doing it and he didn't ask us to do it. Right? Um, I'm a doer, so I know what it's like. I love to do, I just love to get in and get things done. That's how I'm wired, it's how I'm built. And the Lord, I know he takes pleasure in it because he made me that way, right? 
But I've, he's had to do some pruning and cutting and teach me how to like abide because otherwise I'd just be like, go, 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 go until I crush and burn. One day, this was a few years ago, but um, the prayer room, I don't know why I was here or what I was doing, but I was buzzing around just doing whatever I normally do and I had some spare time. So I thought I'll head into the prayer room and I'm just going to spend some time with the Lord. I'm going to have a quiet moment and listen to what the Lord's got to say. And there was someone else in there praying and there was just music on. And so I went and sat in the chair and just waited on the Lord. And he showed me a picture. Immediately I saw a picture and it was of a glass beaker and it was suspended in midair and I saw that this glass beaker, it was being, it was tipping, it was being poured out and there was water flowing out of this glass beaker and the Lord said, Naomi, that, that beaker, that's you. And he said, I love, I love it that you pour out your life because I know that it comes from a heart of love. I love that you do that for me. He said, but I'm going to make a small adjustment. And I saw the hand of God reach into the picture and he just put the cup up the right way. So rather than being poured out, he just put it up the right way. And I just saw him pour into the cup until it was overflowing, just overflowing everywhere. And the cup didn't even need to be turning over. It was just coming out of the cup. And he was just teaching me. (laughs) What you're doing now, Naomi, is really important. And I promise that when you set aside a time to seek me, I will be there. And I will fill you and I will give you what you need every single time. Can I encourage you? Man, sit with the Lord every single day. He has daily bread for you. There is almost every single day... I'll say to him, what are you saying? What are you doing? What do you want me to read? Like, he'll show me something. He'll lead me somewhere. He'll whatever. And I will need that for that day to minister to someone else. I usually just find whatever he gives me, it ends up coming out. Someone will need it. If it's not me, someone else will need it. Imagine if this company of people lived that way. We'll change, we'll change Darwin. We'll be overflowing little ve- beacons, overflowing everywhere. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Oh, it's pretty hectic, isn't it? If anyone doesn't abide in me, he's thrown away 
don't have fire. I wish I had some. That would be very dramatic, wouldn't it? Could put it in there and light it up. You know, it's a good reminder here. We're not mucking around. This is this is not a game, right? There are eternal consequences for the way that for the way that we live. Sure, you can choose not to abide. You can choose to be distracted. You can choose to follow the flesh rather than the spirit. But the consequences are eternal. You know, Matthew, Matthew 7, 21. Jesus is saying to people, he's saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? They're doing the stuff. They're working. And they think they've got it right. And Jesus says to them, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. Ah. Oh. There, there are people that sit in church that will be told on that day, I never knew you. This is why I keep banging this drum because I don't want it to be any of us. I don't want it to be. I don't want someone to have that story. I went to church every day for my, you know, every Sunday for my whole life. And I'm standing before Jesus and Jesus is like, I don't know you. And you don't know me. It's such a grave, it's a grave thing. Anyone who does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Man. Abiding just like needs to be number one, doesn't it? It needs to be like we need, we need to abide in the Lord like we need air. We really do. Verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to me and so prove to be my disciples God wants you to be fruitful why it brings him glory it brings him glory that's why he's like man this one's this is not good for you so i'm going to chop it off this one's not bearing fruit. I'm going to chop it off. This is a distraction. Chop it off. We can either work with him or we can resist. You choose. <laughs> you choose. But I want maximum fruitfulness for my life. I want him to get all the glory. I want to see, you know, lives completely transformed because of my little life bearing fruit unto Jesus. Amen? Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. 
Oh, have I missed something? I did. I missed verse 7. Can we go back there? Did I say that? No, I didn't. Can we go back to verse 7? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, says Jesus, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The words Jesus spoke of there is the Greek word rema, which means it's the active, spoken word of God. Different to the logos, different to this one. It's God speaking to you in in your life every day. You can hear the now word, the rhema word of God every day. And, and he's saying, if, if that word, if, if my word that I'm speaking to you every single day, if that's dwelling in your heart, you can ask for whatever you want and I'm going to give it to you. Because he knows if you're hearing his voice, you're going to be asking according to his will. You're going to know what to pray because you know what the Father's saying. Amen. A huge key for abiding is listening to what the Father's saying. My sheep hear my voice and as strangers they don't follow. You have access to hear God's voice every single day. All right, now we'll go to verse 9. We talked about verse 8. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. This is like a brain explosion verse. Jesus is saying, as the Father loved me, so I love you. Jesus loves us as much as the Father loves Jesus. Whoa. That's why in Ephesians 3, Paul was praying that the Ephesians would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the love of God. And every day we need to say, God, help me. Help me to comprehend this love. This love which, which I, I can't even comprehend, but I'm, I want to comprehend it. I want to receive your love because it's there for me to be poured out. I dare you this week to ask the Lord to fill you with his love. That beaker will be overflowing, I promise. (laughs) It's his great desire to pour his love on you. Jesus died so he could. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. How do we know that we know him? 1 John 2 verse 3 says, by this, we know that, by this we know that we know him. We keep his commandments. When we know him, we do what he says. It's as simple as that. 
when you're connected to the vine, when you're hearing his voice, for me, it's game over. (laughs) I'm going to do what he says to do, even when it's hard. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Sometimes the, the cutting, the pruning, sometimes it, it feels painful. But he says, this is just such a beautiful verse because he says, I've spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you. I'm going to give you my joy and your joy is going to be full. So even when you're going through a tough time, even when you're going through a season of pruning or cutting back or propping up or whatever it is, whatever the Lord's doing for you, there's joy. There's always joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So we have access to it all the time. You know, this process, it never ends, this side of eternity. It doesn't matter how mature you might think you are in the Lord. If, if you're bearing fruit, man, he'll keep pruning you so you bear more. And, and I'm learning no one is above getting distracted or a little off track or a little, I don't know. The Lord, let's just ask him to do what he needs to do, hey, in our lives. Let's not resist it. Um, I feel like for some of you, the Father is just cutting off things that don't bear fruit. He's just cutting them off. And it's just an invitation today to just let them go. Don't hold on to them. Don't resist them. Just let him cut it off. It's gonna, you're going to be better off for it. You'll know. You'll know what it is. I don't have to say. Just let him cut. Let him cut it out. Um, <clears throat> for some of you, the Father is, is propping, propping things up in your life. He's propping you up. Because you're getting a little bit leany, a little bit too low to the ground. So I just sense today that for some of you, the Lord wants to just lift your head up. He's just going to lift your head up. He'll bring the people into your life that that you need. He'll help you. He'll prop you up. For some of you, the Father is pruning you because you're fruitful. You know, and for that, the Lord's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for being fruitful. Thank you for being faithful with the little I've given you. I'm going to prune you a little bit more because you're going to be more fruitful. And those who are faithful with little, they'll be entrusted with much. And for someone in this room, I don't know who this is for, But I actually saw a picture of the Lord, like, lifting this up, lifting the, just going like, I can't do it because it's too stuck in the pot. 
But like this pot is actually like breaking and, and I've, it, it needs to be repotted really. And I actually saw a picture of the Lord just like whoo, lifting it up and transplanting it into a fresh patch of healthy, nourishing soil. And I saw the roots just having freedom to grow and to go down deeper. So I don't know who that's for, but um, seasons of transition can feel um, shaky and messy and you can be like, whoa, what's going on here? But I just want to encourage you that the Lord, the Lord's just saying to you, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. If you feel like you're in a season of transition, the Lord's, the Lord's got the place to plant you. And it's going to be good. It's going to be fruitful. Praise the Lord.